We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm at your Wednesday morning, November 9th. Now, today's show, we're going to try and figure out what is going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves these days. They're now five and six on the season, lost three of their last four. And according to Anthony Edwards, after Monday night's loss, this is what is going on. It's hard. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm gonna try, we're going we're gonna to try to figure it out because. That's what that's what it looked like right now. That's what teams are saying. From the looks of they coming out, we're gonna punk them. So that's what's going on. That was a uh, a question posed to Anthony Edwards about how do you correct soft from becoming your team's identity, and that question was posed by my guest today, Jace Frederick, from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. So Jace, I'll I'll just I guess pose kind of the same question back to you. Like, how close do you think this team is? to having kind of adopted a soft identity, whether that be, I don't know, temporary or, you know, a little bit more permanent. Yes, yeah, tough. Uh, it's one of those things where I think that was my thought heading into last season with this team was like, um, I don't know. I think if you have Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards in the same starting lineup, it's not going to be super physical. It's not going to be a great defensive team. We talked about that a lot, like on this podcast. Uh, you know, I don't think you can have a good defense with those three guys. And it turns out we were, for the most part, pretty wrong. Um, but that, I think, had a lot to do with the guys around them. And, you know, we, we like to credit the high wall, but it, it does look more and more like maybe it was Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick <laughs> Beverly really yeah. setting a tone for things more so than the scheme. Uh, but now, like, it kind of goes back again. Do you? Now, even you can kind of throw Jane McDaniels in that mix, um, frankly, because he's not a super physical player either. Um, he uses his length and what and athleticism to defend, but he's not like a physical player. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you have four guys who aren't physical? And Ant should be physical, but probably isn't. Cat should be physical, but certainly is not. Uh, how do you be a physical team then if your personnel says that you aren't? Um, it, it takes a real concerted effort uh, to change the script on that when the roster says you should be one way to try to be something else. And I don't know if they're going to be willing to put that type of effort in on a nightly basis. I think, I think there will be some nights where they will, and then they will win the game and they will lean back and they will go, Oh, thank God that's over. That was hard. Um, And then fall back into uh, kind of the modus operandi, uh, which is just kind of 
lax basketball right now. That's what that's what it feels like until we see otherwise. Yeah, not that I'm just going to exclusively play clips here, but you know, Finch Finch talked about that kind of exactly last night or yesterday at practice, um, just about this like idea, like because because it's out there, right? Like they clearly need to play more physical every single play. I mean, that was the entire conversation in the locker room and the, after the game and the post game afterwards. Is this idea of we have to add physicality. And I think when you boil that down a little bit deeper, you have to ask the question of how many guys are physical and can't like can play physical. You know, like, is that, you know, is that in them? And I thought this was just like a really honest answer from Finch about like, no, not not everyone does have that. So I'll just play that. Then we'll talk about Jace. You know, some of it starts like you either like to hit and be hit or you don't like to hit and be hit, you know, so. um just, yeah, so I think if you're not comfortable hitting and be hitting, you're never going to be part of a physical, you know, you're not going to be a physical player. But I do I do believe that there's opportunities to put your hands on people and slow them down, you know, nonetheless. Um, getting into the ball, yeah, boxing out, and all the, all the ways that you could choose to be physical, like they're all there for you. Um, for sure, you know, there, some of them are ingrained habits and some of them are – you're trying to, you know, make maybe make non-physical guys more physical. So I mean, Jay's right. Not that, super upbeat. <laughs> super <laughs> upbeat. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is kind of an acknowledgement that it, at least temporarily, you know, they have a lot of guys that they're playing who do not have that currently ingrained in them that you know that desire, that willingness to be hit, kind of liking it, you know, and and being somebody who hits hits back and and likes that too. And then what he kind of gets to in the late, the latter part of the question, which I appreciated him kind of acknowledging that the latter part is like, all right, if that is who some of these guys are, it's not ingrained in them to be physical. What can they still, you know, what can you still do that provides some of that physicality? And it is just kind of the basic stuff of like, maybe you don't need to be like Austin Rivers up in everybody's grill every single possession, but a shot goes up, you put your hand on a guy, you seal him out, you know, you play with active hands some of those sort of things. And I I mean, yes, all nine guys can do that. I think the ultimate question is, though, like how many guys in this Wolves rotation can they, can they survive with not being inherently physical players? It feels like at least one or two guys who have not thus far played physically need to do that for this group to kind of start catching that upward momentum. And and frankly, like, I think, you know, Chris Finch is acknowledging that now. I think that's something that he would have and did poo-poo in the preseason, um, you know, and I think I think the front office as well. Like, these are things that you think, well, we have guys who can step into that role. We have guys who can box out. We have guys who can play a little bit more physical. Everybody's just got to be a little bit more physical uh, to make up for some of these things. But you realize that's not in guys' DNA, but it, that doesn't. Like, I don't think that hit home for so many of these, you know, like Chris Finch, the coaching staff, the front office until they saw it play out. And now they're like, oh, we don't have any physical players. Uh, it, it is, I think, like when it's not when you're not used to doing it, when you've never done it, um, it, it is something where like it's it takes a real shift in mentality. Uh, and like Austin Rivers talked about how he did that in his early NBA career. Uh, but again, that's year two. And he was and his motivation was I want to play. Uh, for these guys, it's like, I'm playing, I'm in the game. I I'm getting by doing what I've always done. Uh, now it's like, I have to be the one who sacrifices and does more. So we win. Like 
why can't the guy over there do that instead? You know, like, why does it have to be me? So I think there is. Didn't like, that remind you of Jalen Noel? Like in what respect? Oh, well, sure. Just trying to get on the court. Yeah. Cause that's what Rivers was talking about was, you know, when he came in in New Orleans, it was help me remember the three guys, Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans and Eric Gordon all kind of played yes. the same position as him. Right. And in in Austin, I don't have this one clipped and I don't want to do an hour of <laughs> clips, but he, he talked about this idea of like he came into the league, you know, comes from Duke. He's a lottery pick. Like he thought he was going to come into the league as a 20 a night scorer. And there wasn't the opportunity for that. Right. And so his only path onto the floor was to play defense, was to play physical. And, you know, is, does Jalen get a 10 out of 10 on his defense thus far this season? No. But you see that intention like that he learned in three seasons. Right. Of like, hey, I'm not going to play unless I play better defense, unless I play more physical. And you see Jalen doing some of those things, even though they're not the, the strongest parts of his game. And I wonder with some of the other guys who are just kind of kind of guaranteed roles who do not play physical on this team. It's like they didn't. I mean, Ant is a good example of that. Ant can play physical, right? He's a big, strong kid. But should, he should be like should be a staple of his game, should be a trademark of his game, frankly. But at least right now, 19 year old Anthony Edwards was this 20 year old Anthony Edwards was this and 21 year old Anthony Edwards is this is he is not that type of player who likes to be hit. He can hit right. people because he's big, but, he, but you know, he doesn't have that, and he didn't have the Austin Rivers experience. He didn't have the Jalen Noel experience of like, hey, if you don't do this extra effort stuff, you're not going to play. He was gifted that and deserves it because he's so good at right. everything else. But, man, that is just, as we talk about Bat Pev and Vando, as we talked about in the preseason, like this idea of, you need more physicality. You need more perimeter defenders. Anthony Edwards was the name over and over again. The leap he was going to make was defensively, and he cannot make the leap defensively until he likes being hit and hitting other people. It seems kind of as simple as that. I, I also do think an interesting dynamic with this team, like you can have – not everybody has to be like this big physical will beat you up team. Like not everybody is that. They are winning teams that don't do that. I do think you either need some combination of these two traits or lean heavily one way or another, physicality or IQ. Uh, like you, you can be really smart and like kind of, you know, have your own little shortcuts or tricks of the trade where you don't have to like bump somebody because you know, like, yeah, I can just pull on their shorts or something like that. Um, little things where like you're just making all the right decisions and putting yourself in an advantageous advantageous position because of that the wolves don't have that either uh, and they weren't that last year they were they were not a high iq team they were super physical and tenacious and like just kind of beat you with effort um and the way to beat them was to outsmart them basically uh now they are neither um and that is a way to get beat by everybody um, when you don't have any type of identity one way or the other which they frankly do not like phoenix is not like some crazy physical team like they have some physical presences but a lot of times with their starting lineup it's not physical at all they're just so smart um, mm -hmm. and they do everything the right way. That's um, a good way to put it is like if you're not going to be a team that is above average in physicality, the recourse to be a good team is you clearly need to be above average in basketball IQ, understanding the smarts of all of that. And I would say it's not showing up in the first 11 games. I think they do have some players on this team with higher basketball IQs. They have more players than they did before. Yes. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But they've lost some of the physicality ones. And then right. 
And then uh, some of that basketball IQ, I think, is getting lost in the mix of like of it being a new group of adding Rudy, of not having training camp, all the like excuses that are getting a little, you know, carrying a little less weight now. But there is some value to that. Like, I'm not I don't want to I don't want to brush over that. But I think it's like, man, I was just watching the Knicks game. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done with with that narrative of like needing to be patient and needing to wait because to me like it's 11 games and there's not really signs so if it were me if I was a player if I was a coach it was like I would start letting go of that idea of this is going to take time understand that but play with more urgency man it's like there is going to be residual baggage of the longer this takes to figure it out and be patient so Make up for some of that with urgency. Play play urgently smarter. Play urgently more physical. Because, you know, to be the 50-win team they are, it's like, it's just, those are requirements. Yeah, and, and like, you talked about urgency, and a lot of guys don't defend with any urgency. Like, it's all very lax. Like, nobody ever feels the Timberwolves um, when they're playing offense. You mentioned, like, Jalen Noel. I do think he plays with some physicality. But that's where, like, the IQ is lacking. Like, he'll be in a good spot. Uh, where he has defended the play well. Yeah, they go and, together. And he will, he will either slide into you or he will put his arm down and 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 tag mm-hmm. you on the elbow or whatever. Nas Reed is like a really good shot blocker, uh, but so many times he jumps straight horizontally. Like he's bringing the effort. <laughs> yeah, horizontally. He just doesn't yeah. quite seem to understand like the principles that are needed to defend without fouling either um, or just to be in the right spots. Jade McDaniels, like even the times when he shows physicality are just frustration. Uh, like he is upset about something Uh, maybe he felt like he was fouled or something else or missed a shot or whatever the case may be and he'll just come bump you and it's like well there's a whistle um and an obvious whistle and like i think you got a flagrant on one of those already this year um it's it's little things where it's like be heady uh you know and even the guys who are showing some physicality they have to be a little bit more heady as well uh but I would almost take that more at this point right now like being undisciplined and and fouling and you know because you're just trying to do too much than what some of the other guys are doing, which is just, especially on the defensive end, not really seeming to care one way or another. Jace, I want to keep going on this urgency thing because what we should say is Rudy Gobert is back. He talked yes, at practice right. yesterday, talked about that uh, specifically, but, but real quick, I, I want to uh, plug falling knife. You and I were both there uh, last week to do our live show. What we're trying to, re- I mean, we're going to remind you if, and when Jace and myself or Britt or Chris or whoever, are doing live shows at Falling Knife to come out. But we also, like, they're having, you know, what they've told us is they're having 20, 30 people in Wolves gear at games, watching it uh, at the brewery, even despite a, a tough start to the season. So just a reminder that uh, that Wednesday night, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, you can you can check that out. Friday night, the Wolves the Wolves play uh, in Memphis. Memphis. And, and that is a late game, but they wanted me to remind everyone they are going to stay open late. Whenever we'll, like if it is a later game, they're going to keep the brewery open later until the games. And so, uh, so yeah, check that out Sunday as well. I think it's 5 p.m. They, they play Cleveland. Uh, if you're looking for a place to go watch the games, uh, Falling Knife will always uh, have that there. Jace, just, I mean, quickly, did you, did you like the beer? Did you like your experience at Falling Knife? I love the beer. Um, I love the people there. I think the employees seemed awesome. Uh, the owner seemed awesome. The, the beer was great. I liked the atmosphere. Uh, they didn't have the projector screen down because the Wolves weren't playing when we were there, but I could see where that goes, and that would be really cool. The back room with all the pinball machines is really cool. Uh, and, like, you know, like, a lot of people who don't have Bally and whatnot, they get frustrated with that. Like, 
it's great yeah, to go watch a, a game point. with other Wolves fans, you yeah. know, like just outside of, Hey, even if you have Valley and you want to watch the game with other fans, like that's makes it a more enjoyable experience, whether that be celebrating or commiserating um, uh, <laughs> total lack of effort. It's better to do that, to air your frustrations with others. Uh, but yeah, like, Hey, if you don't have Valley, especially like great place to go watch games that you can't otherwise see. Hundred percent. Yep, that's Falling Knife uh, Brewing Company in in Northeast Minneapolis. Check that out this week weekend if you're looking for a place to watch the games. All right, Jace. Uh, let, let's go back to the let's go back to urgency and let's go to Rudy Gobert making his you know sort of return. I'll just I'll play this uh, Rudy clip on that idea of like yes, patience is required. Patience is required because training camp didn't happen. Now even more patience is somewhat required because Rudy's out of the facility for five days or, or whatever it might be. But I like to hear that that Rudy was using the word urgency. Talk a lot about early this season, about being patient and giving it time to come together. How do you balance that with maybe a sense of urgency so that you guys are trying mm-hmm. to click as quickly as possible and and you know not lose games? I mean, we, we need to... Urgency is, is a big word, and it's a word that I think is really important for us. You know, it's and all of us individually and obviously collectively but yeah just come every possession we gotta have urgency defensively and and uh you know and make sure that becomes a habit because we've seen that doesn't matter who you play uh the nba you know people look at the rankings people look at the nice nba like you got you got guys that have something to prove you have teams that have something to prove and and if you let them uh any night can can be a, a rough night so just for, for us I think this is the key just uh, focus on us uh, regardless of who we play regardless of who we guard and be consistent with the effort and the communication you know I have, I have one thing I want to jump in on that yeah he talked about regardless of who you play um, and I think that was in reference to the Knicks and Anthony Edwards when we walked into the locker room was like we're down 30 points to the New York Knicks who is this team to think that they are significantly better than the New York Knicks uh, yeah. The Knicks are now five and five. The Wolves are five and six. The Knicks look better. Um, the Knicks were a four seed two years ago. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but like they've done just as much as this Wolves team has. Um, for them, any of them to think that they are somehow like they are a middling basketball team right now, and the Knicks are a middling basketball team right now. It's not like you played the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I think is part of the problem that they found it like they're like how we can't be overlooking teams like the Knicks. Like, you know, we can't be down 30 points to the Knicks. Like that's part of the problem is that you just assume that it is so beneath you to be down 30 points to the New York Knicks. I think that's part of this team's issue as well. Like you have, you have no business overlooking really like, good it's point. one thing to say. We overlooked a bad team. Like the Knicks are not but, a bad but even team. So then, stop man, assuming you're not elite. Like you're this elite team. Also like Houston is a bad team. Houston's probably the worst team right. in the league. But what I really didn't like, this is a, Super specific anecdote, but the Wolves are up like 15 in the beginning of the third quarter. And uh, the Rockets get called for a technical, I think, or a maybe it was a take foul. And so there's this there's a free throw to be taken. And they kind of laughingly let Kyle Anderson go take the free throw. And and Kyle Anderson misses it. And they kind of laugh, like giving each other a high five after Kyle Anderson you know, misses that that free throw. And it's like that to me, and I know it's small, but like Kyle Anderson's going to make like 60% of his free throws, 65%. Carl Anthony Towns is going to hit that 85, 90% of the time. And that seems small, but that's that to me was also an example of just like taking somebody way too lightly, 
thinking you're about to roll with this game, which they did. Cool. You beat Houston, but it it's indicative of a mentality of casual, right? And right. and and assuming something. So I think that's a good point with the Knicks too. And that's that's one of these things they gotta iron out out of them. And when I hear Rudy talking about that stuff of that night in, night out, and like ignoring ignoring who the opponent is, doing your shit. Like that was Houston or not Houston. That was Utah for the last six years, man. That's why they were a good team. You turned on Houston. God, why do I keep saying Houston? Utah. And they executed, man. That is what makes a Rudy Gobert team good. Period. Like Rudy is not special in the traditional sense of stardom. He is special. His like superpower is focus and detail and applying that to the defensive end of the floor. Utah took on that identity. They had players, Mike Conley, who like Joe Ingles, who echoed that, right? And you got Rudy Gobert on your team to be your best or second best player. You need to adapt some of those things. And those are just professional behaviors as well, right? And that is, again, this team for most of the black, I mean, most of Carl Anthony Towns, the majority of all these guys' time in Minnesota right. Has not been on a professional team. Last year they were, right? And there was more of that precision, detail, effort, not taking people lightly. But this team is, and there, there, there really isn't uh, an excuse for that. And their ceiling will come from exercising that from their identity right now. Yeah. If people wanted to say last year's team wasn't professional, that was out of antics, not performance. Um, you know, like, and that's, and I think that's one thing where like, if you're professional in your performance, then you can, you've almost earned the antics, you know, and some people will like yep. even turn their nose up at that, but it's like, Hey, you went out and you did your work, uh, in that game and you can celebrate however you want. I don't care. Um, you can go jump on the table after winning the playing game. It doesn't matter. Like you did what you were supposed to do, but now they're not even doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, they, they, like the unprofessionalism has stepped over to the, the basketball product. Mm -hmm. And I think it frustrates everybody. I know just like fan interactions and whatnot on social media, everywhere else. It's like, I'm not having fun watching this team because it is unprofessional efforts every night. Like, I know there was like a thunder game where I knew they were going to win by a lot. Um, I think it was maybe in OKC, but Ant shoots a three, misses it, hangs his head. Like, dang, I thought that was going down as OKC runs by that and goes and scores in transition. And it was like, okay, they're going to win this game by a lot. Shea's not even playing, uh, but you can't do those things. And then you see them play against the good teams and they continue to do those things because they built the habits mm -hmm. of not doing the right things. Um, and it really is hard to just flip a switch against competent teams. And that's why you get blown out of the water like we've seen here quite a few times. So, I mean... There's this idea, right? And it's it's not wrong. It is glass half full. Is this team started poorly last year, right? Four and nine uh, out of the gate, which is even worse than you know than this is. They obviously you know turned it around, but to like assume to even draw that connection, if you are the players there, like that would require the same identity of last season of like we can get through this because we did it last year. They did it last year by at that time start they switched to starting Patrick Beverly, starting right. Jared that Vanderbilt. Yep. Though like yep. some of those energy guys, and some of it was time. It was gonna take time with that group too, just like it is with this one. But the idea that that is just going to come from playing longer together. I mean, maybe that'll happen, but you can't use last year's example of that because last year happened for a reason. 
they shifted their identity and and to have a similar bounce back and to all of a sudden, you know, get rolling like they did a year ago in December, January, like it's going to take something different, right? Like I I don't think you can bank on the same things. It's not like a roadmap either. It's not like every team is like, well, we're going to start slow and then we're going to turn things around. Like this was all part of the plan. Um, I just like how when we bring up last year and like, hey, you don't have these guys anymore. What's going to be different? Uh, They're like, you know, this is this year. And then when they're struggling, though, they're like, you know, last year we started really slow, too. Uh, it's it's just very much like cherry picking. Like, when do we refer to last season and when don't we? We do when it benefits us and then we ignore it when it doesn't. Um, I'm getting a little sick of that as well, frankly. I, I like that uh, Nas it, yeah, did. I mean, uh, Nas, you, you asked him about that and Nas, like, didn't take that. Let's let's play that Nas clip. Thing when, you know, just a year ago, that was a big part of your guys' success was doing those things on a nightly basis. Oh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to put any excuses or anything, but I feel like it's a new team. So, you know, we kind of need a different type of energy from each and everybody. So, I mean, once we get that energy, I feel like we're unstoppable. It seemed like, you know, a couple guys that brought a lot of energy here last year, like Bando or Pep, that were no longer on the team. Is that what you mean now, where it's like you know, some guys have to be energy, energy leaders in that way? Or... I mean, like I said before, I mean, I believe in each and every person on this team now. So, I mean, like that was a good team, but we're in the future now. We're not in the past anymore. So this is this team is a team that can go really far. And we just play hard, lock in, and do what we're supposed to do. So the interesting dynamic there is in the first answer, Nas goes, I don't want to make excuses, but this is a different team. Basically saying, like, don't have the same guys on the roster. Then Chris Hine comes in and says, like, you don't have the same guys on the roster. But you can hear in the background in that clip, D'Angelo Russell going, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. And it almost did make Nas kind of go like, oh, I believe in everybody on this team. You know, like it was like, OK, well, Deal is basically telling me how to answer this question. So that's how I'm going to do it. That was how I read it. You could hear it right there. Um, it did seem like, a, oh, yeah, OK, I can't go down that road. I got to come back over here to this one. Uh, right or wrong. It seems like that's how that played out. Yeah, I think they're confused. I, I think there is con- uh, an understandable to some extent of like, I mean, they got to be for some of these guys, particularly somebody like Nas, who clearly in however few minutes he's played, like every one of those he's played hard and honestly yep. is like channeling his inner Jared Vanderbilt in his own right. sort of way. So there's got to be this frustration. And as a teammate and a leader and, you know, whatever, like you don't want to give up on the group, the guys who are in that, you know, in the trenches with you in some For ways. Sure. So I I do like, yeah. I, what does Nas actually think? I don't know how much was that influenced by D'Angelo. I, you know, I don't know, but I think it is important to acknowledge both parts of that, that he is kind of talking about. It isn't, it isn't last year's team anymore. Like I would just, we're in the future now. Like you do need to get out of that. So who, who are going to be the tone setters? Who are going to be the physical players? Like we asked Finch at practice yesterday, like, where can that come from? He goes, there's no obvious choices at this point for, for who that could be. Like, Which man, is funny because in the training camp, he listed off like four or five guys, but nobody stepped into it. And so now he's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And his answers at the time, I think, were a little bit fishy too when he was throwing out Ant and Jaden who were just, we mentioned at the time, that's not what they do. That's never been their MO. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like, it clearly isn't. So now Finch is like, don't have any obvious answers. Don't know. The guys who I thought were going to be aren't. And, and I do think Nas has been that, Jalen Noel has been that, Torian Prince has been that. 
it's not bench, enough if bench, it's only bench. yeah it's yeah. that's exactly how i was gonna go it's not enough if it's coming from the bench we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. To keep moving along here, the one thing that and we were texting about this last night, like the the it's just crazy to me that this team is like seventh in defensive rating right now. And and I you don't want to completely take away from that. Like it has been good when Rudy's played in every game, pretty much, you know, at, you know, as to be expected. But man, it does not feel like a you know a a top 10 defensive team at this point. So I want to I want to get into that with you, but let's play this. Uh, let's play this Rudy clip on the on the defense thus far. How would you assess how how that shifting back and forth from defensively when you're on the floor versus off? How as a team that's kind of going. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, uh, before I got COVID, we were top five defensively, right? So it's seventh now, still like the numbers still good. So and it's like top five with the feel that <laughs> we. I mean, we we like bottom 10 so for me like it's that means what it means is that we can be top one if we just start building building the right habits you know and uh and uh i'll cut the i'll cut the clip off there because he goes he goes for a while but that that's kind of the you know that's that's kind of the the idea there but like i don't think we're we've seen a top 10 defense right um i think in glimpses maybe um but i i don't think at this point we can go off of the defensive rating being in the top 10 to suggest that it is what does it feel like what does it look like Rudy said that you know like it feels like a bottom 10 defense right now if you're watching these games watching these games man that that's that's not who they are 
can they get there? Yeah, I, I actually, I actually do think they can. But if if they so are right. if they are resting on that at all, like oh, it's not that good yet, but it's seventh. Like bad idea. That, there's there is some uh, there there's some danger in that. So what what is just kind of your assessment of the defense? Am I overreacting to like what my eye test is saying versus the stats, or like where do you put this team defensively in the league right now? Uh, not good. Definitely bottom half at work at best. Um, even Anthony Edwards said this, like teams are just comfortable against us. And, and he's like, we come down, we play the Knicks. We have to like make sure we have precision with every pass. To, so we're not turning the ball over. There is no ball pressure. Uh, there's nothing there. Chris Finch has said, even when we do get a little bit of ball pressure, then the second line of defense isn't there. Like it's always something or another where teams just don't feel Minnesota at all. Like mm-hmm. it, it just is kind of do whatever you want, take whatever shot you want. Um, I, as long as you're not driving at Rudy, you're probably going to get a pretty good look. And even if you are driving at Rudy, you have a full head of steam because you were undeterred on the way to get there. So it's advantage you in that position anyway. Uh, it's not good. Uh, you look at that seventh number that's misleading in so many different ways. Like, let's just go off the schedule first. They played the Spurs three times. The Spurs are 23rd in offensive rating. They played the Thunder two times. The Thunder are 27th in offensive rating. They played the Lakers. The Lakers are dead last in offensive rating. So, like, Part of that is 1,000% opponent. And then you know, there's something we talked about as well that makes it very misleading. The fourth quarters? The fourth quarters. Yes. Uh, it's, so, like, here are three games where fourth quarters, Minnesota has dominant defensive numbers. All three games where I think you can very much say Minnesota had no chance of winning this game entering the quarter. Um, and let's just run through them. The Spurs game at home where the Wolves trailed by like 35 at one point in the game. Yep. But cut it closer. But cut it down to like nine or something with like two minutes left. Like the game was over. Uh, they had, it would never in the fourth quarter was like the Wolves might win this. I don't even um, think they got it to nine. Like, yeah, but, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the fourth quarter, Minnesota had a defensive rating of 48. <laughs> like 105 is an amazing defensive rating. Yeah. And the, their defensive rating against the Spurs was 48. The, in the fourth quarter Bucks yeah. game, the Bucks game where it never felt like Minnesota was going to win that game. The fourth quarter defensive rating was 71.4. Mm-hmm. The Knicks game where it never felt like Minnesota was going to win that one. The fourth quarter defensive rating was 73.9. So like to put in, in perspective, like the first quarter they played against the Spurs in that game where they had a 48 defensive rating in the first quarter when the game was actually on the line. Uh, the Spurs net rating, I think was like a, offensive rating was like 150. Yeah. Uh, so when the game is in balance a lot of times uh teams are getting whatever they want and just kind of running away with it and then like once starters are still in so it's technically not garbage time there's too much time left like minnesota puts in these little full rallies um as they're not doing much else but frankly saving their defensive rating in those moments so i i think the top 10 those stats are great yeah Yeah. i mean that that is if you are cynical at all about where this team is defensively that's pretty strong arguments i am and not again not in the sense that i don't think this can be a good defensive team but we don't see the i physical. don't either like I, yeah like, we, I, I think we both think this is going yeah. to be like i i actually came into the season thinking it'd be a better defensive team than an offensive team and the the difference is i, I liked how fitch put it in the press conference after the game where he's like there's just too much space between us and our defenders like at all at all five positions and all different coverages and man, the one that's sticking out to me is is in the high wall, which it was their identity last season, and they scrambled behind it and everything. I thought, as somebody who you know bagged on Carl's defense for the first six years of his career, like I think, like I still think how Carl 
defended last year in that action specifically was underrated. And there was, was so good. there was so much more of this like like crawling intensity into the ball handler at the high wall and doing that. And what I'm seeing from him now is going back and watching some of these yesterday, is he's like really upright in when he's, he's showing it's it. lackadaisical. It, like it, it's like, but it almost steps like back. He's doing to, am I wrong? Is he like two steps back? He's he, not really. He's not really in him at all. Like he's he's just kind of. And I wonder there. why that is. Like, and maybe the difference is it's like the the point of attack defender is not as into the like. I, I would imagine if you're in that action as the big right, you feel a little bit more uh, comfortable being aggressive and really attacking that when the point of attack defender is there, kind of with you. That's Papev kind of scrapping at it. I think Carl is like has a little bit of fear about being aggressive in those situations because it's Ant and D'Lo or Jalen Noel who are at the point of attack there and they're just not, you know, they're not leaving it. And that leads to those gaps, right? That leads to those gaps. And it's critical to not have gaps on the high wall. Like you need to fluster the ball handler in that point. If you don't, and we saw this at times last year when the defense was bad too, man, it gets easy to hit that roller and the roller to hit the corner, and it's just target practice, which is the first quarter of the Knicks game, like, all day. It's like, point, like ball handler, roller, corner, bang, bang, bang. And that didn't exist last year because those spaces were closed more, and they had better scramblers to get back out to the corner. Only guy who's doing that consistently on the team, getting back to the corner is Jordan McLaughlin, and it is obvious when you're watching the game, is understanding the sprinting out to the corner. So, they got to get better at the point of attack. They got to get better at, at scrambling out to the corner. And it's at a point for me where I'm not sure this should be part of the defensive game plan. I know. And it's again, this sounds backwards. If somebody was like, I don't think you play Carl and drop his whole career. I think that's an issue right now. I almost feel like you got to pull Carl back out of there. Otherwise, as you play some of these better teams, man, like Memphis, what are they going to do with that? If, if they're not up aggressively covering that, they're going to pick that apart. We saw that last year. Cleveland, they're going to pick that apart. Like, I don't Cleveland know, man. destroyed that look last year. Destroyed on it. Like, so. With the roller, just beating up on the low, man. Totally, totally. I mean, it, it's, and the book's out, right? Like, people know that the Wolves are playing this way, too. So, it's like, and, and I don't know. It just kind of goes back to me where I'm like, I don't know if they need multiple coverages right now. Like, they just or, they got to pick one uh, and work on it. Yeah. Uh, I, we talked about like I I think the ceiling was their ability to do both. They are not there. Uh, they're struggling with everything I think right now, and they just need to pick one and lock in. And obviously, you're going to pick the drop because you have Rudy Gobert on your team. And then can and Carl like, do, could Carl do it for ten minutes? I mean, how many minutes? Yeah, a game you know, like is Carl going mean, to be, you know, like or maybe you know maybe you go zone then when when Rudy's off and Carl's in at center. Like I don't know, man. I, I don't I've seen know enough if zone for one season, but I mean, but, I know. But, I know it's am I wrong? Look, is it is it better than the no, high wall? It's better than no, the high wall. No, it is. It is better than Carl and Drop. Uh, but just like zone is like, and I don't think the players realize this. Zone is your coach saying, "We cannot defend this team. Uh, we are just going to zone and kind of pray." Uh, you can play a little bit more. You can play a more aggressive, better zone than some teams do. But like zone is giving up. It's conceding. It's punting. It's saying like. Let's just do this. Everybody's kind of standing in your spots, defend whoever comes in your area because we can't stay with anybody. And the yeah, players man. are like, I but like it, zone. It, it's fourth and nine. <laughs> I mean, you got to punt. Like, right. I, it, it, like right. and, and another reason why I like it too, another thing I think is killing this team and killing them in transition is the cross matches and matching yep. up with people and confusion 
as they're getting back on defense. Zone, you go to your zone, right? You go to your spot. Like, I, I, I mean, yes, is it kind of like a weak cop-out in, in some ways to do defensively? Sure. I think, at least for now, when you're diversifying, I don't know, man. It, 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 it makes sense to me. I don't disagree with you. Um, the play call. Um, I just wish players realized what an indictment it was that in the first 10 games of the season, a Rudy Gobert team has to go to zone because everybody else is oh, so yeah. bad. Yeah, that is, I wish they want, would comprehend right. that. Like, we can't stop anybody. So coach has to make us go zone. Instead, they're like, I think zone's a good look for us. Yeah, zone. You know, I like what we can do in zone. It's the, like, the team no, that ran the most zone last year. Anybody. The team that ran the most zone last year was Charlotte. And yeah. that was because... Or, or no, maybe that was that was Lamelo's rookie year. I remember that it was like by so much, and it was because they were like, Lamelo can't guard right now, and we have to put him at the point of attack. So we got to like do two bodies up there, go two three, you know, like it is it is waving the white flag. But my point is, is there are times until you've like ironed out the other right. stuff that they gotta, you know, they gotta do that some. So I'm really curious now with Rudy back, like what do we see? the the coverage mix being how like and, and just you know outside of coverages and the details about where is the defensive physicality now that Rudy's back does his singular presence boost that is it contagious I think like Rudy should have some of that in a way different but similar to playing with Jared Vanderbilt like you knew when you're playing with Jared Vanderbilt like I'm gonna get exposed if I'm not playing hard and and Pat Bev too to some extent like can Rudy's presence inspire others to play defense better? Thus far, it's gone the other way where they're like, well, Rudy's back there, you know? Yeah. So it's almost it's almost deterred physicality. But you would like to think now, month into the season, about like you've un- you can start understanding what you need to do defensively to be successful with this group. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, some tweaks here for the rest of the week and this weekend. It's, and it's got to be more than one game, right? Like, I, I'm anticipating, you know, the way they're talking and whatnot, like, a good defensive performance coming in these next couple of games. But it's got to be, like, two out of three or something like that to show you that yeah. any real improvement is coming. Like, it can't just be Phoenix tonight, especially if Chris Paul doesn't play or whatever. Like, um, it can't just be that. And then, mm-hmm. okay, nice, we fixed it. And then just back into the lulls after that. Like, this team has to show that it is actually committed on mm-hmm. that end of the court. And that requires sustained efforts over a long period of time. And again, Rudy Gobert knows that. Right. That is what Chris Finch knows that. Chris Finch has said, you kind of are what you do a lot. Um, and-, and and like understanding the reward for doing it. Like that's what Rudy gets is he understands the reward from playing consistent defense. And Utah understood that. I mean, Rudy literally got because Utah was the, t- the top defense or one of the top defenses like that's why he won defensive player of the year as many times as he did. Right. Obviously a great defensive player, right. But the accolades come, the winning comes, the money comes when you are doing it consistently. And it's a group that, you know, needs to learn that the tough way. I I'm optimistic that this first 11 games of a punch in the mouth is like a wake up to that. And you understand, they understand like, all right, we gotta, like, we do gotta, as Austin River said, like lock the fuck in, you know, like, they they got to do that or this team just cannot be what we thought it was going to be if this is if the defensive identity coverage wise physicality wise whatever is similar to what it's been they will not they will your your over 47 and a half 48 and a half 
Vegas tickets will cash. not cash. Will not cash. Um, all right, Jason, let's uh, let's wrap up uh, the show by doing uh, some prize picks. Uh, Jason and I, I would say every Wednesday do this, but last week we did we did not do prize picks because we were doing the live show um, at the brewery. So last week we did it was was week eight. Uh, you went one and one. I went two and zero. Oh. Which brings Congratulations. us to tie. Yeah, thank you. But we are tied. I'm not beating you. I'm doing way better with Kyle. Um, but we are both seven and seven thus far this season on our uh, Thursday night football pick. So we are picking uh, today for the Thursday night football game, which is the Carolina Panthers against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think that'll be a game that I'm watching, but I'm going to do some <laughs> surprise picks. Yeah, with you. I'm 100% there. Um, I'm going to go with a more than start. Uh, Tyler Algier. 32 and a half rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I, I get where the number's low. Like there's the committee there. Cordero Patterson came back last week and, and scored a couple, couple touchdowns and shouldered a larger workload. But Algier still had like 10 for 99. And that's mm-hmm. against the Chargers, the worst rush defense in football by a long shot. But like Algier's the rookie. This is a bad team. I think they'll continue to give him work. Even Cordero Patterson will start and get work. But like I think Algier will get enough work where 32 and a half should be a number that he clears. So do you not like Cordero? His, his number in this game, then? I, I don't mind that either. Atlanta just runs the ball a ton. I think yeah. both could clear. I, I did uh, I did Cordero Patterson more than 62 and a half rushing plus receiving yards. And, and part of that, why I wanted to, like, I was either going to pick, like, receiving or the, the combo because you're right. Like, and it isn't just Algier. Like, Caleb Huntley's playing for them, too, getting carries. But Cordero did look really good in that game. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the pick because, yes, it's going to be a committee. Carolina's defense is actually uh, pretty good, I believe. But I'm still going to go Cordell more than 62 and a half rushing plus receiving. And I'll just give you my my other pick as well is I'm going to go with PJ Walker less than 175 and a half passing yards. That is not that is not a high number, uh, but a couple factors working here. Panthers aren't good. PJ Walker is not good. And like, uh, is he going to play all four quarters? Like, would you say? I almost took it because he might get benched. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I feel I don't know, not 50 50, but there's a 25% chance. Oh, yeah. That PJ Walker does not, does not, uh, you know, play the entirety of that game. So those are my two picks. What's your second one? My last then is uh, Kyle Pitts, three and a half receptions. And I'm just wallowing in it because I have Kyle Pitts on my fantasy football team. And, <laughs> and so every game I'm like, I would, oh, no way is he going to get four catches. He never does. Uh, he did get five against Carolina two weeks ago, but that's his only game in the last five where he has gone over that three and a half mark. Um, I think they'll just try to run the ball a lot again. Like Pitts has to, that has to be a great game for Kyle Pitts to get to four uh, with how much <laughs> they run the football. And they still have Drake London there. Um, he's just not a massive part of the offense. Marcus Mariota, they don't want to throw the ball too much. Like, yeah, I'm with that. Disappointing season, and I think it's going to carry forward. I think three and a half is a very generous line. So that's prize picks. Um, if you want to play along with, uh, with Jason and I uh, for Thursday Night Football, you can do that at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. Obviously, they got uh, NBA um, picks set for you there as well. If you want to do something on Wolves Suns tonight or Wolves Grizzlies on, on Friday, you can do that. Just a reminder, prize picks is not a sports book, so you can uh, play it in Minnesota. And if you would like to play, we'd like to create an account. Um, you can do that with promo code Dane, and they will give you a $100 sign up bonus. Again, can easily just sign up at prizepicks.com or download the prize picks app. Jace, I'll just leave you with, I don't know. I feel like we've kind of closed a lot of these of like, what's the next 10 games going to be? I'm going to go smaller than that. Like okay. Phoenix tonight, Memphis on Friday. Like what can this be? What do you think it will be? Uh, 
I don't know at this point. Like, I mean, I mean, I think tonight's the night where I would normally look at it and go, Chris Paul is either not playing, and we don't know at this point recording this, so you might be listening and being like, he's out. Uh, but we don't know. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, the heel soreness, if he does play, probably a little bit limited. Uh, no Cam Johnson, obviously. They do have DeAndre Ayton back. And but, I like, think, I think, I think swapping no Cam Johnson's Johnson. huge, man. Huge. It's huge. He was who destroyed Minnesota because that well, was Well, and that's who Carl's got a guard. Exactly. Yeah. He, that was their force. There was no matchup. So Cam mm-hmm. Johnson was just firing away, and Cam Johnson's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. So that's not there. So it's just Ayton back, and, like, you'll take Carl's guarding Tory Craig, yeah. you know? And, like, and that's one where now we've seen it. Not great shooters. They get wide open rhythm shot after wide open rhythm shot. So if they keep firing, um, which yeah. they will against Carl, he'll probably make three. Um, I would take an over. But on even that. like the, out there. The, the Wolves half contests as they normally yes. do on the three point line, that will go a lot longer. It'll go, go a lot further when it's Tory Craig shooting it, who also shoots kind of slow. Like Cam Johnson's a nasty shooter, yes. right? Like yep. he's really good, really quick, high release. Um, and that's, that's what, yeah. yeah. The entire thing is, I think the matchup lines up really well for Minnesota two nights specifically, but I don't. But these the the way they're playing, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. none of it matters right now. Like you can analyze, like well, they should be able to do this, and right. this guy's being out, so that should play into their favor. It doesn't matter. They're not losing because of matchups. Uh, they're losing because they're not respecting the game of basketball. So I don't know. Um, yeah. I think if they pull their heads out of their butts they could win this game but i'm not so sure that they're going to like this would be the ultimate like guys were clearly irritated in the locker room chris finch had some negative things to say like it's 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 like if you don't do it now when are you gonna do it i feel like we've said that like three different times already this season but i think i'm earmarking this as another one of those games and then with with uh friday against memphis it it's what we were talking about with the high wall or getting out to to the corners and in many ways, last year during the regular season, I, I thought of Memphis as a good matchup for the Wolves. And a lot of that had to do with it didn't seem like that the high wall concept made a lot of sense against Memphis specifically because you can get the ball out of Jaw's hands by putting two yep. on the ball. Um, and like Steven Adams isn't killing you in the roller game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they don't have a ton of shooting as far as like corner options out of that too. So but like, I'm it all scared about Desmond Bain in, in this iteration of the high wall when they play at Desmond Bain in the corners, just if, if he's even, getting those like, looks. even in that playoff series, so many Desmond Bain threes were ant lazy off ball. Like it yep. wasn't like it was crushed off the high wall. It was like a pass to the wing and yeah, ant was right. just lazy closeouts. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't, Bain's not a guy who too often just ends up in the corner. Um, and we expect more drop, obviously, against Memphis True. there. Well, um, and back, that'll yeah. be that'll be a jaw totally range different. game, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. which like Jaw used to crush the wolves when Cat was playing uh the drop, which was a common theme for everybody. But now with Rudy there, like Jaw, I think still plays pretty well against the drop. So that'll be interesting. It's kind of a new dynamic. Um mm-hmm. this matchup changed a lot with the way Minnesota's roster changed. And maybe in these two games, as this team needs more perimeter defense, they need more at the point of attack which means they need more from Anthony Edwards defensively. And Anthony Edwards is probably going to draw Devin Booker matchup tonight. And on Friday, draw John Morant. So like that thing where he tries harder against yep. big guys, like, you know, they need that. Uh, they're they're going to need that to win one or, you know, somehow win both of these games. But again, like you said, so much of this is going to come down to like, what does this look like? What does this feel like when they're, when they're playing because it's not about it's not about coverages as much as we're making it right now with this team it's just it's just about playing hard mike and nori said that at halftime of the last game and it was so true like skiing doesn't matter 
Um, it, it just doesn't, it makes no difference what scheme you're playing. If you're playing like this, and you can point out like, they got to change this and this and this it doesn't matter right now. Mm-hmm. You need guys who are going to commit themselves to playing hard, smart basketball. hundred percent. He's just Frederick. Uh, you can read all this stuff at the pioneer press. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Jace, appreciate you doing it. And, uh, we'll talk in a week and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see where this team is at. Well, we'll talk tonight, but we will talk tonight. <laughs> we will not have microphones in our face. But again, he's Jace. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Uh, I will be back on Thursday with uh, Britt Robson to recap the the Suns game. I'm actually going to do a Grizzlies preview as well with uh, Chris Harrington from Memphis. Kyle again on Friday. So a bunch of pods here for the rest of the week. Hopefully we have a win or two. To, to be able to, to talk about. But until then, he's Jay Somdane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.